it's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We are with you until 11 o'clock this morning, as usual. Good morning, Mr. Tate. Good morning to you. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Can we get a restart on the... uh, The Big Ten football season for the just, Illini. You know, there's so many bad feelings at the <laughs> beginning of that game with, uh, you know, with uh, Isaiah Gay announced that he was uh, suspended, and then you see Witherspoon's not going to be playing at uh, cornerback, and then uh, start the game, and the first time Epstein, Epstein touches it, he fumbles it, and just from <laughs> then it went from there. And yet, at one point in uh, the second quarter, it was 14 to seven after the Tariq Barnes fumble return for a touchdown, but uh, I don't know how comfortable you felt at that particular point. But uh, Oh, I felt it. Because the yeah, offense it obviously... It was a big break. I mean, it was a big positive it was a, break. It was a great break, but uh, the offense hadn't shown any signs. Here, here's our plan for today. We've got a couple callers right out of the gate. We'll get to those folks. And then at 9.05, Adam Rittenberg is going to join us from ESPN.com. Then we'll have another... We're going to have plenty of time for open line conversation on this. But let's get started right now. Gary is with us. Good morning, Gary. What's, uh, what do you say this morning? Yeah, good morning, guys. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad this was Lovey's uh, best team. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I, I think we forgot to tell Lovey that we didn't have to practice social distancing in, while you're playing defense. I mean, this is year five. Um, the same, same song and dance. Uh, do we really think this staff is the staff to lead us out of this? I, I, I want one person to call and give me one reason why we think this staff can get this job done. I mean, he can't recruit. He can't, and we're losing fans by the thousands. I mean, just look at our coverages, Lauren. I mean, it's just incredible to me. And and we talk about how good Graham Mertz was. Yeah, he was. I can't think of too many quarterbacks in the country that couldn't complete 20 out of 21 passes against this team. But well, it, this so has been a problem. It looks to me like a problem that's been for years. I've been complaining about receivers running open. I mean, last year uh, they did the same thing. I mean, if you remember, the they were going to win the game because they hit that tight end on those passes repeatedly. And, um, exactly. And, you know, and just know it's going to happen. I mean, I, I don't know what to say to you. I mean – the only thing I'll say, do you think any staff can bring this back now? That's the question. We're, we're, we're so well, far down with Rutgers that it's, it's unbelievable. Well, I, I know, but do you stay the status quo? I, I don't know how you can. I mean, seriously. You probably can't can afford you? to do anything else. Well, I mean, we could have had Matt, Mark, or Matt Campbell from Iowa State. We could have P.J. Flag, but instead we go to Florida and hire an unemployed football coach that has no college experience. I mean, do we expect anything different than this? Seriously. I mean, it is it's mind-boggling me. I mean, Josh has got to wake up and smell the roses because this is not where we're going, guys. And um, it just 
unbelievable to me. So, anyway, that's my frustration for the day. Thanks for taking. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Gary. Hope you feel better. I, I'm, I'm guessing maybe you don't, but we appreciate taking time to call. The other callers we have on hold, you can either hang on with us for a few minutes or give us a call back. But uh, Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com is joining us. He's on a bit of a limited schedule this morning, but he's been good enough to give us about uh, eight or ten minutes of his time. Good morning, Adam. How are you? Hey, good morning. Doing great. Hope you guys are doing well. Yep. Uh, long night in Madison last night. I'm sure you paid attention to that. And on one hand, it's good to have the Big Ten uh, football season underway, but uh, for Illinois fans, a pretty disappointing night. Yeah, pretty disappointing all around. And, uh, you know, I, I had real questions about Wisconsin coming in, and so did coaches around the conference. And, you know, some of those questions are honestly still there. But uh, the young quarterback, Graham Mertz, who, you know, if you follow what they've done when they're in recruiting, you know, he's the highest-rated quarterback they've ever had. And, you know, I was always intrigued as to when he would get his opportunity and how he would perform. Unfortunately, it became because of injury to Jack Cohn, but uh, Mertz was outstanding, as you guys know, you know, nearly flawless, honestly, with how he played. And Illinois uh, just had no answers, really, on either side of the ball. I mean, briefly on defense, and then offensively, they just couldn't get it going. Not enough diversity, um, couldn't get the run game going outside of the quarterback. You're talking to a couple Big Ten coaches who watched the game. They were pretty disappointed with Illinois' offensive line. I think you guys were just talking about it with the last, last caller. They've had issues in terms of uh, the secondary for, for a while now. It just feels, guys, like when Illinois isn't forcing takeaways on defense, they're too often busting. So it's like takeaway or bust. And, and that's a very hard way to uh, kind of live in this conference on defense. You know, uh, Adam, I, I, thought that, uh, I thought that Chris did a really good job with Mertz early in allowing him just to pitch out to the halfback, uh, Groshek, or – or make a short he, everything was uh, carefully uh, set up for to keep him in a positive and 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 careful i mean they they just didn't take any chances with those early passes and i i think they, they built his confidence that way and by contrast illinois kept uh, you know uh, peters kept tr- trying to throw the ball to bebe and i think seven of his first 11 passes were toward him and so many of them were low and off the mark i mean i, I was really i was really surprised that Peters wasn't more accurate. I just a big difference between the way those two quarterbacks were presented last night. I thought your comments, right, Lauren? I, yeah, I mean, obviously Peters had some issues with accuracy last year, and there was hope that he would improve on that number. I think it was fifty-five percent, which you know in a Rod Smith offense isn't going to get it done uh, going forward. And then I, I think it's more so what you said too, just the lack of diversity in targets. You want to be spreading the ball around. To your to your uh, to your receivers and tight ends and whoever, and they weren't really doing that. Now, is that a scheme thing? Is that quarterback decision making? Is it something that Wisconsin was doing to prevent those other guys from having opportunities? But I think everybody knows on the offensive side of the ball going forward for Illinois that you have to be able to spread the ball around more than they did against Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin year to year has been one of the best defenses in the Big Ten, and it's one of these things, guys, where they can lose really good players. Like, like a Zach Bond, like a Chris Orr, and, and still respond and be really, really good. Uh, Jim Leonard is outstanding as a defensive coordinator. But, um, so so th- there will be easier defenses to face going forward. I just think Illinois has to really emphasize you know, the, the accuracy uh, for Peters, but then also getting the ball in the hands of others besides Amatur Bebe to make plays down the field. Well, Adam, this is fifth year for, uh, for Lovey Smith. Uh, where, where did the Illini go from here? I mean, it, 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 can they stay with him? 
Well, I think financially they probably have to. Um, you know, that's right. just the, the case for a lot of people around the country right now. If there's if it's a borderline decision on a coach, um, you know, typically the coach will make it because uh, you know, we're in the pandemic and everybody's belt tightening. And you know, the, the one thing too you know, is that you know Josh Whitman hired Lovey and, and did it rather boldly, and he's been very loyal to, to Lovey. Uh, and obviously they they did take a step forward last year as a program. But you know, if, if it's more of the same and, and you don't see improvement. You know, there may be a decision at the end of the year, but I, I, I would expect uh, Lovey to be back again if he wants to be back in 2021. And, and they obviously have some opportunities here to improve going forward, but yeah, not, not the way you wanted to start the season in any way. Just a bad, you know, obviously with the fumble on the second play and, and, then, uh, and then falling behind and, and not really uh, responding well even after you get that touchdown uh, off of the fumble return. Wisconsin goes right back down and scores, and so that's just a, a tough thing to come back from, even in an empty stadium up in Madison. Yeah, two touchdown passes in a minute, and both right over the middle with nobody there. It just seemed like yeah. it just seemed like amateur hour there uh, defensively for a while. And of course, uh, Lovey called them busted play, and they were. They had to be busted play. Somebody had to be responsible for the tight end. But I've never seen a tight end get that open. <laughs> their their <laughs> receivers were so open that it was just amazing to me i don't know i don't know what you how do you explain it well i mean one thing i would say in their defense even though they didn't play much defense is uh the fact that you look around college football and i know you both do and it's an offensive uh it's been offense early this year i think and coaches have told me that you know it's hard to practice uh defense well in this COVID environment there's just so many limitations and some guys are out and you know, usually the defenses are ahead of the offenses to begin the season. I think it's been the reverse around the country. Um, now Wisconsin obviously played at a high level defensively. So, you know, you don't want to make too many excuses for Illinois. But, um, yeah, those, those types of busts are, are, are not going to work going forward because now it's on tape and you know everybody uh, that they're going to be playing in the, in the coming weeks. I know they have Purdue in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, they're going to try to exploit some of those weaknesses if they're not fixed. And so, you know, there's certainly a lot of work ahead for, for Lovey and the defensive staff because, um, you know, even with the weather and, and, and some of the teams in the conference that aren't that potent offensively, I mean, you just look at even like last year, the way they ended the regular season, you know, giving up a lot of points to a terrible Northwestern offense. And then the, again, and then, and then Wisconsin, which I think is a good offense, but Illinois made them look better than they actually are. I think Wisconsin had some issues on the offensive line that Illinois was able to exploit. But when you have those breakdowns and you allow those easy big plays, it's just not a way to live in any conference, especially. Another minute or two with Adam Rittenberg. Adam, how has this uh, pandemic and the, the way the situation has changed your uh, position, changed your job, the way you go about your job for ESPN.com? Well, I'm talking to you guys right now, driving my son to, uh, to a little baseball this morning, and you know, which is great. But you know, normally I'd be out uh, somewhere like probably Minneapolis tonight or or Columbus or, or somewhere, you know, covering a game either in the Big Ten or, or otherwise. So I'm not going anywhere. That's that's a big that's a big change. And it's a lot more Zoom, you know, press conferences and you know trying to get people on the phone here and there. So it's certainly not as fun um, as, as our normal jobs are being out. And I mean, I know Lauren, you know, you've done this for a while, and, and this is why we do it is to be at games and talking to people face to face. So it's certainly a little bit different, but uh, but also you know a lot more time around with family. So that's been good. Well, we appreciate your time. Always good to catch up with you. We'll let you get to your uh, son's game there. But thanks for checking in with us. Thanks, Adam. All right, guys. Appreciate it. You bet. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com covers college football, has a Big Ten background himself.
Eric in Champaign's been hanging on uh, for that conversation. Now, Eric, you're up. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. You know, I, I I wish for one day I was booking everybody's action in Champaign because I didn't hear one person think that Wisconsin could cover that spread. And we kept talking about, you know, how big it was and all that. And, you know, those guys know what they're doing. <laughs> it's, it's pretty that that simple. Well, I, I, will, um, t- I will tell you a number. Uh, the, the nine previous games pre- before last year, Wisconsin defeated Illinois by double figures every game. Mm-hmm. So what – we have last year was an outlier. I mean, that's what it was. It, it, it was an outlier in the Illinois season. It was an outlier in the Wisconsin season. They they still went to the bowl. You know, they still went. They still uh, had a, had a strong season and, and won the Big Ten West. So, mm-hmm. the, you know, it's just one game, and and that made us think, you know, that Illinois could do it again. But obviously, we're wrong. Right, and and you know, I didn't Wisconsin have like a two week period where they couldn't even practice? Yeah, sort of, uh, mm-hmm. earlier, that yeah. that really kind of ticked me off actually. So I thought Illinois didn't have a single interruption as far as we know, and they looked like they didn't practice at all. <laughs> to tell you the truth, you know, they were throwing the ball. I mean, he threw the ball to one guy continuously. Luke was Luke Ford even targeted in that game last night? Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he caught was. one ball, didn't he? he didn't no, he catch. didn't catch it. Well, he was targeted. He was okay. targeted. Yeah. yeah. Barker yeah, that, caught two as a tight end, but uh, the other tight ends didn't right. catch any. And, and the, the last thing I want to say is, you know, I mean, you, you cannot you cannot depend on transfers to build a program. It's like, you know, buying used cars and think you're going to win the Indy 500 or something. You know, it's like uh, the, the recruiting is the lifeblood of your program. It always is. It always will be. And um, and that's where the, the major indictment of Lovey goes to me is, They've had five years and they haven't recruited anything, you know, and so that's that's where the future lies. I mean, we don't have a future. And they well, don't have a backup quarterback either. <laughs> well, I think I think that's right. I don't disagree with you, but I will say that the the, the transfer market's going to be much different now. Uh, uh, yeah. That I'm not saying that that's going to bring Illinois out of the you know the hole they're in, but uh, certainly they have added some key players this year and they got some decent play out of some of them last night, but. No, I mean you you got to have a you got to have a lifeline and the lifeline is high school recruiting. You know, it is for all the major school, all the schools that are successful in the country. I say all. Uh, I know Kansas State's uh, done some things with junior college. I know there are a few exceptions, but basically Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State are playing with high school recruits. That's what they're doing and they they get the and, best and, and go ahead. I want to say that Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State—they're getting all the ones from the Chicago suburbs. <laughs> you know what I mean? All the best. They're well, not coming here. Well, there aren't yeah, very many right? there anymore. But yes, they get the—they're—they're—they're they're, uh, they're beating Illinois out on the ones that they that they want. Right. Certainly Notre Dame. Anyway. Here. Yeah. Just here, guys. Good show. Okay. Thanks, Eric. We appreciate uh, the call. The phone line is open three five six nine three nine seven. If you would like to join us, maybe you didn't stay up late last night to, to get in after the ball game. We've got plenty of time for an open line this morning. We'd love to hear from you. Let's go to Alan in Montrose. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, guys. Uh, I guess you can <clears throat> sum it up in one word last night. Disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Levy Smith uh, was saved last year with the Wisconsin game and the Michigan State game. But if you think about it, Towards the end of the season, we got beat by Northwestern, their only win in the Big Ten, and mm-hmm. we got beat pretty good in the bowl. Mm-hmm. By Cal. Basically, that four, 
Yeah. And basically we got uh, – uh, we had a four-game winning streak, which was looking more and more like a fluke. Uh, last night we were ill-prepared. Uh, the coaching staff made a lot of mistakes, especially towards the end of the first half. We gave them that last touchdown by – the ball handling we was doing, we didn't even try to run the ball, try to run the clock out. We was trying to throw the ball, and then you get an incomplete pass. Or if you did complete a pass, it was, uh, it was short, and they'd call timeout, and they had time left. We we just mismanaged the end of the first half. Uh, I was wondering if you guys could look up, possibly, ever since Larry Smith's been here, how many games we've given up 400 yards or more. I'll bet you it's 80%. Yeah, Vince top of the worst defensive head coach we've ever had, and he was supposed to be a defensive guy. We've never had a coach that had defenses consistently as bad as long as we've had in this five years. Well, I would tell you that the three years under Beckman weren't, weren't exactly outstanding, and I, I can go back no. and I mean, it's been a steady stream. Of, we've had nine years of really bad football. I mean, nine consecutive years since uh, we lost the last six games under Zook, which caused him to be fired. Yeah. And and then we had That's the last good defensive team. Yeah, That's the last good defensive team we've had under Zook, and they weren't exceptional, but they were a lot better than this. Yeah. And it just astounds me how you can keep being – so bad on defense and our offense is uh inconsistent uh we're we're supposed to have a really good offense this year and we couldn't even score a point last night yeah got shut out by the the offense got shut in fact they didn't even get i started to say they didn't get within field goal range but they did get within field goal range one time and elected to go for it on fourth down didn't make it but right um but mccourt didn't have a chance to Use his foot in that regard. He did kick off, but that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he didn't get a chance to show anything. But I didn't think, I didn't think Hayes looked all that great either. I mean, a lot of his kicks were. They were low, weren't they? Uh, I wonder if he, uh, Steve was he kicking against the wind? I mean, he was kicking those low, low. Yeah, it was pretty breezy. The wind was out of the northwest up there, and uh, he was kicking into the wind at times. Of course, the one thing in watching a game on TV, you don't get a feel for the weather. You don't get a feel right. for the wind. You it was cold, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, really, I mean, it's just, it's a different, you, you have a, a a feeling that certain plays should be made, and then you realize that there, there, there are conditions that affect that. Yeah. Hey, Alan, thanks. We appreciate it. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Howard and Michael, hang on. I need to take a quick break, two minutes. We'll be back uh, and uh, talk to you. Again, anybody else that wants to join us, feel free to jump in. It's 919 this is Alon Ipella, Saturday Sports Talk. Back with more after this. 921, Alon Ipella, Saturday Sports Talk. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you taking your calls all the way up to 11 o'clock, 356-9397. A couple of stats in case you missed it in the ballgame. Wisconsin had the football 43 minutes. Illinois had it 39 and some change. That's one key factor. Wisconsin was six uh, for uh, Illinois had it sixteen. What did I say? Well, I, you didn't say sixteen. <laughs> what did I say? Thirty-nine. Yeah, you did. Okay. I was going, 
39. I don't know whether that, that might be part of uh, getting home at 345. <laughs> but, yeah, 16. And the other one is uh, red zone tries, Wisconsin 6-for-6, six six, Illinois 0-for-0. Oh oh. They did not get they into the red zone. They did get in the red zone, no. did they? But uh, 43 minutes. I wonder what the, the record is in a 60-minute game. Uh, for Illinois, How, what, what's the fewest number of minutes Illinois ever had again? Sixteen minutes is really low. Sixteen minutes and thirty-two seconds. That's sixteen and a half minutes. Uh, Let's go back to the phones. Howard, are you with us this morning? Howard in Champaign. Yes, morning, guys. I don't, I, I just think our problem is much deeper than equipment and. Lovey, I, th- I think a lot of our pr- troubles have always gone back to the administration. President and chancellor could care less about athletics. Uh, we get you get no there's no pressure put on the staff to let, let's get this thing turned around. I mean, they probably don't even go to the games. Uh, that's the way I look at it, and I don't know anything about anything. Well. I don't think I agree with that. I think they've been given enough opportunity. They've certainly allowed them to build, you know, they've allowed them to go into great debt for facilities. And, uh, you know, it's an enormous debt now with the pandemic. I, I, don't, I don't know what the situation is. We, the relationship between the Illinois coaching staffs, I mean, that's multiple, that's going back some years, and the coaches in the state is, is not good. And the talent level in the state has diminished dramatically. It's just everything, all the arrows are pointing down, all of them. I don't know any arrows pointing up. And it's, it's the talent level and, and, and certainly the recruiting. And, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, and, and we've lost the fandom for sure with sure. the pandemic and all. I mean, it's just... Exactly. It, it's a terrible situation. I don't know how we get out of it. Well, there's got to be a guy out there someplace who's got the the right attitude and. Well, Fleck, some, Fleck certainly shown that at Minnesota. I mean, he yeah, went. He, he went. At, he took over a program at the same time Lovey did, didn't he? Yeah, he did. But he's such a goofball. You just can't. I don't agree with that. I think he's a terrific. I saw him go undefeated at Western Michigan. He was a heck of a coach. He beat. Northwestern, he beat uh, he beat several teams. He beat Illinois. Yeah, he beat Illinois. I mean, look, I was in his dressing room after the Illinois game. I went over there because we had enough people in the other dressing room, and I was really impressed by what I saw. This was a team that was. Well, to, I hate Michigan, but I hope Michigan mauls them tonight. Well, okay. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying. I have heard a lot of people say bad things about Fleck, and all I know is Minnesota's got to be happy they got him. I, I don't think we can survive another five or six years from Lovey. I mean, I, I know he won't be here that long, but but you never know. Strange things happen. But I, 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 we won't have a program of any sort. Anything, any, we won't have one fan in the stadium. I mean, he's got. We got to get rid of him. Equipment made a big mistake. He he, he has to fess up to it. Well. Certainly, we're picking a time when the arrows are are down, as I said, and and uh, maybe next week uh, you'll feel different if we can get by Purdue. Who knows? Purdue's uh, in yeah, about the same went boat. Over Purdue would, went over Purdue would cure a lot of ills next week. Yeah, I'll say any win. 
But you yeah, got exactly. I got a couple of games coming up here that are really critical Purdue and Minnesota. Yeah. Well, hope for better things. Okay, Howard. Thanks. Appreciate the call. Three five six nine three nine seven. If you'd like to join us, we've got plenty of time this morning uh, for you to uh, air your frustrations or tell us what you think of this Illinois football team after that forty-five to seven loss to the Wisconsin Badgers. Last night in Madison, it was kind of strange uh, being part of a broadcast of a uh, game where there were no fans in the stands. I asked Brian Barnhart in the pregame show had he ever done that, and I took him back to his minor league days of baseball. <laughs> he said, yeah, I probably have in that case, yeah. but uh, not at the, the big time, Big Ten level anyway. And uh, it was different, but uh, I thought uh, uh, the, the production of – what we did was was pretty good, and, and and some of the things that were supplied to us, which helped, is uh, what, what's called the effects feed from the uh, TV trucks, where you could hear the pads cracking, and they did have some some uh, piped, uh, recorded uh, sound noise, crowd noise. What was really weird to me was when the teams ran out, especially Wisconsin, uh, when they ran out, there was no band to play for them. Uh, they did the national anthem. Uh, it was a recorded uh, version of the national anthem, but it was just kind of, kind of surreal. Yet, on the other hand, once the the game started, we just focused on uh, trying to do the best broadcast we could, and it was uh, it was interesting to say the least. Got back to town about three forty-five. We were probably an hour behind the team. They got out of there. They bust up there, and came back after the game last night on six buses. By the way, did uh, do you see anyone else injured other than Hanson? Any other injuries? I did not. S- no, I didn't notice any of that. And Lovey didn't uh, comment too much about even Hanson after the ball game. But uh, when they took him off, uh, he was he was shaky. He was wobbly. He was woozy, wasn't he? Yeah. Boy, I thought uh, Barnes came in and played terrific. He did. I mean, he was all over the place. And I thought that uh, Roderick Perry looked very good, number eighty-eight in the middle, defensively. I think there were some things about the defensive. Uh, the defensive line showed some resistance uh, throughout most of the game. I mean, I think uh, I think they wound up uh, Wisconsin wound up with about 180 yards rushing, but a lot of that was in the fourth quarter when they just when Illinois can basically was in concession mode and they were just kind of playing the game out. Yeah, they, they, they had two long marches. In fact, that second march, they took it all the way down there on the about 10 consecutive plays on the ground, then bump to the tight end who was wide open. They had 182 yards on the ground. Let's go back to the phones. Go to Princeton, Illinois. Steve is with us. Hey, Steve. Yeah, good morning. As disappointing as all that I've heard, and Lawrence said there's no arrows pointing up. Well, I think there's one arrow pointing up, and that's what Lubby has done as far as you don't hear any talks of any racism in the program, mm-hmm. uh, the, the movement, and I think – Lovey has shown his true value in being able to uphold the integrity of the university and the fact of uh, the racial issues. Uh, we don't hear players leaving bad mouth in the program. He hasn't abused any players like they did under Beckman and lawsuits and things like that. And I think that's all because of Lovey Smith. That's a good point. That's, that's accurate, I think. You know, so I think he's kept Illinois out of the spotlight in some of these other controversial programs where, you know, people have left, transferred, racism, abused in the locker room and everything. And so I think that's what Illinois is proud of. 
Well, that's that's certainly a good point. I, I I've uh, noticed I've felt the same way. But I, the thing I'm concerned about is whether his coaching style, particularly defensively, uh, is outmoded. I just wonder because I I don't see other. I mean, everybody's completing a good percentage of passes across the country. We've seen a lot of offense, but I've never seen guys as open as they were for Wisconsin. I mean, that was ridiculous. And uh, and I don't know who else to blame other than the defensive coordinator. I don't know if, if Lovey blame, blames the defensive coordinator or not, but maybe he should. That's himself. Anyway, but I just wanted to make the point that that's one arrow I see pointing up that Lovey's kept us out of the controversial and the media and the negativity of lawsuits. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, Steve. Appreciate uh, your time. Three, okay, keep the good work, guys. Thank you. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number. It is nine thirty one. We'll take a break. We'll talk more about last night's game and Big Ten football with Jeremy Werner from twenty four seven sports dot com. He'll join us after this. Stay with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Nine thirty-four on News Talk fourteen hundred WDWS Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until eleven o'clock. It's been a lively morning uh, so far. In light of that uh, ball game last night in Madison, fourteenth-ranked Wisconsin over the Fighting Alani forty-five to seven. Jeremy Werner from twenty-four-seven.com Sports is with us. Jeremy, I know you were there, and uh, I didn't see you. We were kind of sequestered on the. Seventh level, but uh, good morning to you. How are you doing? You're on your way back now. Yeah, just uh, heading on my way back after a late night, Steve. And he called it a ball game. I think that's being nice. Uh, <laughs> pretty much a debacle for the Illini last night. Had a good time to ride back with a former player, Martin O'Donnell, who gets uh, still gets pretty wired up uh, for football games. So that was a unique experience. It probably was good that uh, we went ahead and left and came back after the ball game as the to try to get him to calm down enough to sleep in Madison. He just uh, just as soon get home and sleep in his, his own bed. But uh, by the time it, we were midway through the fourth quarter there, it was pretty anticlimactic, and he kind of had a chance to wind down before it was over. But uh, give us your overall thoughts. There's a lot of talk going into the game about uh, the three touchdown plus point spread, and I think uh, – uh, it proved that maybe those guys know what they're doing, but I don't know that anybody saw 45-7 to seven coming. No, because at this point I don't think Wisconsin should be 21-point favorites against Illinois. At least the way – I mean, we didn't get to see this team, right, in camp, but based on what we saw last year just from this team, that it was competitive in the Big Ten and that they added these, these pieces, excuse me, you would have just figured they would have taken a, a step forward and they've had you know months to prepare – but there's most like a team that needed a big tune-up. Uh, they needed some non-conference games to beat some people up, but they had talked a big game all off-season, and then they come out like that. Uh, obviously, an early fumble, Mike, Mike Epstein uh, kind of turned the tide pretty early and put the defense in a bad spot. But, you know, I, I know there were defensive miscues, especially at, at the safeties. Uh, Derek Smith did not have a good game. Uh, they got beat down the middle a couple times, but – to be honest with you guys, I, I thought the defense, like there were some good things to take from that. You, you limit Wisconsin to three and a half yards per carry. Uh, I thought that that's a good sign. And you, 28 points in going into the fourth quarter. I thought the defense gave you a chance until they just wore down. But they were on the field for 44 minutes last night. Um, this offense didn't score a point. This offense did not get into the red zone. 
this offense was not able to convert one fourth down of the three they went for that was fewer than two yards uh, when they took it. So that's my biggest concern is what what is Rod Smith's offense? What are they trying to accomplish? They play multiple quarterbacks. I don't know if they gave their best running back, Chase Brown, the ball uh, very much. And uh, we didn't get to see the, these new weapons. Daniel Matsuorbebe didn't touch the field. I'm not sure why. Uh, Luke Ford had one target. Brian Hightower had one target. Um, it was a, a lot of bad decisions, I thought. I thought Brian uh, Brenna Peters missed a lot of open targets. Donnie Navarro was open on a few of those. But uh, at this point, year three of Rod Smith with the weapons I think they have and they think they have, and the offensive line that Lovey raves about, um, that's a huge concern. they got a lot to fix in, in these seven days until Purdue. Well, you know, uh, about this time uh, a year ago, or not this time, but earlier, when we lost to Eastern Michigan and Glass brought him back with, a, I think he threw for about 316 yards, and then we played Nebraska and gave up 674 yards. 674. Illinois came back from that with four straight wins. Can they do that sort of thing? Mean, they've got Purdue coming up. Purdue's about the same boat as Illinois, aren't they? Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of Purdue this year, and, and Rondale Moore sounds like he will be available for that game. But listen, they got they got great wide receivers. Um, mm-hmm. They have some really good defensive linemen, but I think the rest of the Illinois roster is better. Um, that said, you can't have a lot of confidence after last night, but I do think this is where it's good to have Lovey Smith as your coach. right? I know people aren't happy with him tonight. I know uh, they shouldn't be, and I know people – aren't happy with Rod Smith. But I think Lovey Smith's even keel and his message of, guys, it's, it's one loss. Everyone thought we were going to lose to Wisconsin. Yes, it was worse than we thought. We'll learn from that. But it is just one loss in the loss count. Let's not let it turn into another one. I think his steady hand is what's key to that. But, boy, uh, as we talked about, they got a lot to, to correct, whether it's on the back end um, of the defense or just everywhere on offense. Well, Illinois is cast into that position of basically playing for pride because it's obvious that they're not going to be a contender for the West Championship, which had been their hope. Uh, I just – do you see any changes that you think should be made? I mean, personnel changes, any any, uh, – we'll have Witherspoon maybe back next week. We'll have – I guess uh, maybe we'll have uh, uh, – I don't think we'll have Hanson, do you? No, I don't think so. I, I think we can all speculate, and we understand it's speculation, but the way he came up, that, that looks like a concussion. Yeah. And usually that's one game out, right? Yeah. And then you come back. That's how, that's how it is for most guys. If it's a serious one, it could be longer. Um, you don't feel too terrible uh, with Tariq Barnes, though. He was one mm-hmm. of the huge bright spots there. I thought Roderick Perry was a bright spot. I thought Jamal Woods mm-hmm. in the interior uh, played pretty well. And I thought Keith Randolph gave you some good time last night. So there were some positives on front seven. Of the defense, even Kalen Tolson, I thought was good. I do think one underrated, uh, two underrated losses really, but one especially was was Devin Witherspoon. I, I don't think uh, Illini fans were probably thinking about him as much because Marquez Beeson was coming back, but Beeson's still kind of working his way back from injury. Doesn't have experience. They think Witherspoon's a star, and they missed him last night, and that forced Tony Adams to go from safety to corner, and of course. They had to put Derek Smith in at safety, and that did not work out well uh, for them last night. Also, Isaiah Gage, your best pass rusher, and you mm-hmm. certainly could have used him because Graham Mertz had all day to throw back there. 
And, boy, he looks like a pretty dang good one. Um, I wrote yesterday, Wisconsin has a Heisman, hasn't had a Heisman contending quarterback uh, since Russell Wilson's one year there. I'm not going to throw Mertz in there yet, but it certainly was a, a great showing when you only uh, throw one incompletion and it was dropped by your, uh, by your receiver. So uh, he's going to be pretty good, I think. Offensive players playing today. There are six more games today. Some of those guys, they're going to have to go some to, to grab away the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week honor from uh, Graham Mertz, don't you think? Yeah, I absolutely think so. And you know, at least none of the Illinois players uh, will be considered for that. Um, yeah, I, I didn't answer about the offense. Um, I don't know what – I'm really interested to talk to Rod Smith on Monday. I, I knew they were going to play Isaiah Williams. Uh, and I, I didn't hate it, uh, given that Brandon Peters was struggling. But for all the time they had to work together, for all the time they had to figure out um, how to use these tight ends, how to mix in these running backs. Uh, I just didn't feel like there was ever a rhythm. Part of that was just because they didn't get first, second down. Part of that wasn't uh, they just weren't able to get a run game going. And Wisconsin's defense deserves some credit for that. Uh, but Brandon Peters just looked off. And, uh, you know, then they bring in Isaiah, and Brandon didn't seem to like that very much. He thought – he said he told us last night when I asked him, um, Isaiah played more than I thought he would. And uh, he didn't seem too pleased with that. I know there's some parents on Twitter that aren't very pleased with how they were used last night. Their sons were used last night. So uh, I think it's a really, I I hate to say identity crisis so early, but the way Rod and the way Lovey talk about these guys on on offense, I I think they are shocked uh, that this happened. Uh, And I just wonder what kind of adjustments or, or what kind of thoughts they have after that. What are your thoughts on the offensive line? Uh, probably uh, most definitely the most experienced group out there and some guys on some preseason watch lists. How do you think they, they did last night? Obviously not very well. I thought the inside zone, they weren't able to get anything in between the tackles. Uh, Brandon Peters, I was happy to see him run. I think they need to do that. Um, you know, Rod's offense, he changed last year for a pocket passer quarterback. I mean, barely saw Brandon run last year. But the last couple games, that was the best thing this offense did. Uh, so I think they need to continue that. I think over the last three games, Brandon has more than 200 yards rushing. Uh, actually, I know that for a fact. The last three games he's played, he's got more than 200 yards rushing. Yeah, he's, he's led the team in rushing three out of the last four games. Right. So I, I think they but, need to continue doing that because uh, that opens up everything for the guys, uh, Mike Epstein, Chase Brown, Shikari Norwood. Uh, I think they need to get Chase Brown involved more. I think he's one of the most explosive guys. I thought I liked his three carries he had last night. Uh, they missed Donnie Navarro on a few plays. But how they use Isaiah Williams is going to be interesting because uh, I think they can use Brandon in a way that you know, Rod has used some of his past quarterbacks. No, he's not Denard Robinson. He's not Pat White. But they've got to find a way to get Isaiah Williams involved because he's their best athlete. He's their most electric playmaker. I just don't know if taking Brandon Peters out of the game is the best way to use him. At the same time, you got a conundrum because you think Isaiah Williams is your future quarterback and you don't want to take away reps from him doing that. So I think that's where Rod's trying to figure out how do I use these guys, but he's got to figure it out quick. He didn't have any tune-ups, and next week he's got Purdue, and the week after that uh, he's got Minnesota. So there's just no time to kind of mess around with it. Well, the one, only thing I will say about uh, the, the, running, uh, the running game and the use of Peters is, is my feeling that they really need Peters to stay healthy, number one. Number two, I think the reason he's running, uh, he's getting open is because they're not paying much attention to him. I think if he starts to run much, 
that that will change. I think that they can they can stop Peters if they want to stop if they don't emphasize so much you know the other things. They're trying to stop the passing game. They're trying to they're doubling on Bebe a lot. They're they're stopping the running. Illinois' running game, by the way, they haven't had a runner. They haven't had a backfield runner gain 70 yards in the last six games. I think that's right. I think the last five games last year in this game, they're not, they're not breaking anybody. They had Corbin. They had Dre Brown. They couldn't get them loose late last season, and they, they couldn't get started in this game. They had maybe one decent run by Epstein, and that was it. They're just, there's no running game. Yeah, and I uh, – I think the offensive. I got to watch the film to, to, to judge the offensive line. But I, from the Pro Football Focus grades, I saw Kendrick Green had a good game, but nobody else did. And I think they really struggled at the tackle position yesterday. But those guys, you know, Lovey's built those guys up, and those guys think they're NFL players. Like they got to be better against a team like Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin's really good. Uh, we have to give them a little bit of credit for that. Um, but I will say. You know, I understand there's a health risk with, with running Brandon Peters, but I, I think the reward is worth the risk um, because they got to get some kind of ground game going. And then if they attack Peters, that should open up things for the running backs in theory, or it should open up things for the uh, the passing game. But then you got to execute. Uh, you can't have eight for 19 games. You can't have uh, the inaccuracy and inconsistency that Brandon has had. I thought they got going a little bit with the passing game to uh, on the one drive where they got inside the 30. There's a nice pass to Hightower. There's a nice pass to Epstein on the back shoulder. That's what they are. They're a big physical receiving group, um, but they, they just can't find the consistency. Brandon missing some guys. Uh, receivers maybe not getting open. Maybe they're not quick enough. Um, but there, there's a lot to fix there, Warren. Well, what I was trying to get at a, a moment ago when I started talking about the fact that we haven't had any – uh, rushing by the running backs is that uh, over a stretch of time here, and I think uh, uh, I think it goes back sixth game. I think it goes like like nine out of the last ten. Is the fact that pure and simple the offensive line is overrated. We're overrating them based on the fact they're all back, but they're not getting it done. They're not blocking. They're they're not winning the the war up front. Yeah, I I think. There's a stat that pro football focus greater than the 11th best offensive line. I think that's overrated. I, I don't. I didn't agree with that last year. Are they above average or at least average in the Big Ten? I think they should be. Uh, I've watched them on film, and Kendrick Green is really good. He's got a chance at the next level. Alex Falczewski has a chance at the next level. Darian Lowe, Doug Kramer, maybe borderline, but they're solid to good Big Ten starters. They should be better than um, and we'll see if they are against Purdue, uh, a team that's got a couple good defensive linemen, a really good defensive linemen, uh, but not as good of a, a back seven. Uh, and then you got Minnesota that's replacing a lot defensively. So Wisconsin's defense, their front is really, really good. But, yes, uh, Illinois offensive line, there's a lot of talk about them. They need to be better, but the offensive coordinator needs to be better, I think, as well. Jeremy Warner from 247sports.com. We appreciate your time. Good to visit with you. Drive safely on the way back. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet. It is 947. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a timeout. Phone lines are back open, 356-9397. Let's hear from you. Coming up at 10 o'clock, we're going to chat with Teddy Greenstein, who uh, previously, the previous 24 years, has worked for the Chicago Tribune. He has a new Endeavor. We'll talk to him about uh, that and the start of college football in the Big Ten as well. Stay with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. 
950, make it 951. The line I Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Phone line is open 356-9397. Had plenty of calls this morning. We can take plenty more if you would like. Steve was with us earlier from Princeton. Has uh, something else came to mind. Steve, you're back on with us. Go ahead. Yeah, what I was talking about, what Lovey's kept us out of controversy and so forth, I haven't heard anything mentioned about the Penn State basketball situation. You know, how, how's Penn State able to do with that embarrassment of what Pat Chambers said and, and changing coaches? And I think that's a plus for Lovey that he's kept us out of that negativity. I think that's a good point. And also you can look uh, to the border and uh, University of Iowa, some of the things that have uh, gone on there as far and as Wichita State. Wichita State. There's a lot of a lot of that going on. So that was a it was a good point when you made it uh, a few minutes ago, Steve, and uh, uh, the validation on it's good as well. But I just wondered what I mean, that's gotta be embarrassment for Penn State if what Pat Chambers said is uh correct and how he treated his players and so forth because I thought he had that program going upwards and was doing a good job and then all of a sudden he does something like that that kinda takes away from uh the good job that he was doing. Yeah, what what we don't know is whether this was a chronic thing that was going on as they're claiming at Wichita State and as that they claimed at Iowa, or whether this was a, a, a an incident or just, you know, one time when he forgot himself and said something he shouldn't. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying the only thing I've heard from Penn State is one incident, but I'm sure there, I assume there were others. I hate to see a guy but. fired because of one one time he said something he shouldn't, but but that's the day and age we live in. You don't make a mistake; you pay for it. I know, I understand that. All right, Steve. Thanks. Thanks again. How many times when you were playing sports, and I played enough that to know that I've been in a few headlocks with <laughs> with coaches, or had my collar grabbed by a coach, or pushed back into position, or whatever, and you just don't coach like that anymore. No, I, I think it's uh, it's it was in the past, you know, I don't know how long Mike White would last, you know, in this era uh, because of things that he might have said that uh, were marginal. I mean, he got after players really hard on the field. It was, it was amazing, always amazed me that he'd just be furious and then we'd have a meeting afterwards and he'd be <laughs> fine. Yeah. He'd just be the most, nicest guy you ever met. Yeah, the guys like Woody Hayes and some of those oh. uh, those guys, the, they, they couldn't uh, actually it ended up costing his job, but uh, they couldn't make it today. Not not yeah. with that lifestyle and and uh, professional style. Uh, six more games on the Big Ten schedule today. Nebraska is at Ohio State. That game getting underway in just over an hour over in Columbus. Ohio State is number five in the uh, AP poll going in and. Uh, they think they've got a pretty good shot at uh, making the playoffs. And you know, you might see Wisconsin during this big, or rather, Ohio State during this Big Ten season, hang a seventy on some people just to, to say hello, we're back. Well, uh, it's interesting that Nebraska is playing them because yeah, it is <laughs> <laughs> because they, uh, the people of Nebraska, whoever that is, the people of Nebraska feel like that they have been uh, mistreated in terms of the scheduling. Well, they spoke out quite a bit, uh, <laughs> the people of Nebraska and the administration. And, and the coach of Nebraska. And, and, and the coach. <laughs> and uh, so here you go. We're going to restart, and you're going to go. Your two crossover games are going to be oh, Ohio how, State and Penn State. How about that? <laughs> but that game's at uh, 11 o'clock. Rutgers 
at Michigan State, also at 11, the two new coaches in the Big Ten. You kind of forgot about this through everything else, but Greg Schiano is back at Rutgers, uh, Mel Tucker at Michigan State. The Spartans would be favored in that ball game, but I'm not uh, sure that a whole lot is expected of either one of those teams, Lauren. No, I don't think so, and I think that uh, those will be the, you know, the, those two in India. Actually, it's it's a three it's a three team race in the East. Maryland's not going to be in it. It's it's all about Penn State and Michigan trying to upset Ohio State. That's what it is. Those two teams, and I think Wisconsin, uh, if. They weren't already thought of one of the favors in the West, and I think they were, but they certainly didn't hurt their uh, their resume last night with that win in, in convincing fashion. I think that they've got a really good passer at Wisconsin <laughs> that's going to make a big difference in the way they play. Well, I don't the, think this is going to be three uh, yards in a crowd of dust at Wisconsin. I think they're, they're going to realize now, and I think teams that play them – are going to realize that they're going to have to really guard their, the uh, the pass game. In talking to some folks in Madison yesterday as we were getting set for the broadcast, there were a lot of fans, Wisconsin fans last year, that uh, were anxious to see this kid, Mertz. But Combe was having a decent season. He passed for 2,700 yards and 18 touchdowns. And uh, But uh, Mertz was very highly touted out of Overland Park, Kansas. Mm-hmm. He got away from the folks in Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you want to play football at Kansas, but uh, Ohio State was recruiting and him as well. You, and know, some you, others. Just, you just said something right there that's really important. You said... Not that he'd want to play right. in Kansas. I know. Illinois you know has what? the same problem. Illinois is in the same boat. Yep. They're down there with Rutgers and Kansas. That's where Illinois is. Let's face it. We haven't had a winning season in years. Last year was six and seven. That's the best. You know, if that's your best, that's not very good. What disappointed me about last year was you were in position to have an above 500 season, and then you dropped the last three games, yeah. uh, counting the bowl game there, and finished and one I, game. I think it. I think that Alan is right. Uh, Alan from Montrose saying that. I don't think North. I have to look it up, but I don't think Northwestern had won a game in the Big Ten. No, that was their only win. They were that one was, and eight. That was yeah, yeah. And that's and they they dominated Illinois in that game, and they did it with some guys playing out of position even in, in that game. But uh, they always I don't mean always always because you and I go back far enough to where Illinois would uh, dominate Northwestern and the all time series is still pretty one sided, but we also go back far enough to know that Northwestern always gets up for that game it's seemingly more than Illinois. Illinois made nine first downs in that game. Nine. Uh passing, that was a game where uh Peters was hurt. Robinson played quarterback. He had eight out of seventeen for a hundred and eight yards. Rushing Illinois, Brown ran, Dre Brown, who's a good player for Illinois last year, ran five times for 17 yards. I mean, he was our leading rusher. He was our leading rusher with 17 yards. Now, come on. If this offensive line is so good and they were all healthy in that game, if they're so good, how can you have your leading rusher get 17 yards? I don't care if they put 11 men on the line of scrimmage. Come on. We're missing something here. Yep. We'll talk more about that in hour number two. The other games today on the Big Ten schedule, Iowa plays over at West Lafayette against Purdue. The Boilermakers, of course, come to Champaign next week for the Illinois home opener at 11 o'clock. Who do you like in that ballgame? Iowa's about a field goal favorite against Purdue. I I definitely feel like Iowa will, will bounce back. I don't 
think they've been destroyed by the problems of the of the summer, but I um, I just think they play a more physical game than Purdue. But Purdue will try to play a more finesse game with a passing game and 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 trying to hit that get the ball to their receivers. But they don't have Rondell Moore for this game, and uh, so I got to think that Iowa will will dominate that game. But again, it's. A, we're seeing a lot of strange things happen, so I'm, I'm not making a prediction. I just the way I feel. Number eight, Penn State plays at Indiana at uh, 2.30. That Purdue game, by the way, Purdue-Iowa also at 2.30. Indiana's not beaten the top 10 team since 1987. They'll try to break that streak against number eight, Penn State, who is favored. Maryland plays at Northwestern at 6.30 tonight and also at 6.30 uh, battle of two top 25 teams in number 18, Michigan, against number 21, Minnesota, in Minneapolis. I, I, I certainly like Michigan in that game, but I, Minnesota keeps surprising me. You know, I, I, they just, uh, they're just something about what Fleck has done that he's got that thing rolling. It is 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We've got uh, now hour number one. In the books for you, hour number two is coming up. Teddy Greenstein is going to join us uh, first out of the gate in hour number two. Then the rest of the way will be an open line. So keep calling, would you please, on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk back after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397. Or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're with you till 11 o'clock this morning. 356-9397 is the phone number. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And if you've had any thoughts lately about uh, replacing the windows and doors in your home or condo, How about a trip to the Pella Window Store at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign? Mike Mary and the folks at uh, the Pella Window Store have been assisting homeowners and businesses for going on 50 years now, and uh, they do things the right way. I've had some personal experience uh, with them. There are a lot of things to consider when replacing windows and doors, of course, security, comfort, and convenience among them. Well, the Pella Window Store has many examples on the showroom floor in several styles and price ranges. Entry doors, sliding patio doors, hinged patio doors, storm doors, casement windows, double and single hung windows, sliding windows, and specialty windows, and much, much more. You can find them at the, the Pella Window Store, North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Their hours are Monday through Friday from 8 to 5. You can make an appointment if you uh, don't have time during the week. They'll be happy to see you on Saturday by appointment. Or check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. Mike Mary, Quentin Troy, Pete Peters, Dave Rollins, and Luke Mary all standing by to help you. If you're in the Danville area, there's a Pella Window Store there as well. Troy Bowman is the man over there. The Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Other news besides the... Illinois game last night and upcoming Big Ten games today. It was the World Series. Game three was last night. I saw none of it and uh, didn't really know till we were done with our work in uh, Madison what had happened. But the Dodgers won by a score of 6-2 to two over the Tampa Bay Rays to take a two games to one lead 
in that best of seven series. You didn't see it either, probably, because no, you. No, get... I, I didn't watch the game. I, I, Bueller was striking everybody out ten and six innings, I guess, and that pretty much set the tone for the game. And the, and uh, uh, it's a, there's an interesting uh, vibe going around that the game is losing its attractiveness because of the strikeouts and home runs business. What what's your take? Is is the game going to lose its attraction with the masses? It, 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 so far, that there's an indication that, that uh, they're not getting the TV numbers that they expected. I think that's right, and I think it's a valid point. I'm, you know, the old saying, chicks dig the long ball, but that, that, that's nice. But I, I miss the, the rallies. I miss the going first to third. I miss the, the hits in the gap and, and stealing bases and things like but that. But you don't have a lot of contact. You're, you're not right. Gonna, <laughs> that's, you're not gonna, it's a different game. I don't it's, know what the it's answer all is. It's the pitcher and the catcher. Yeah, the pitchers are getting better, and obviously the hitters are getting better, but they're getting better in the either hit it out of the ballpark or don't. You know, there's well, the, you know nobody what? bunts anymore. I, you you know, know what's happening? Pitchers are throwing harder than they've ever thrown, and batters are swinging harder than they've yeah. ever swung. Swing hard in and case it, you hit it's, it. It's it's a combination that I don't know if it's good for the game. I mean, it maybe I'm just old fashioned. I uh, I I I lose interest in games, you know, when they when there's a new pitcher every inning. I mean, I saw the, a game the other night. There were four pitchers in the first four innings. And I thought, man, I mean, I don't even know these. I, how do I keep track of all these guys? I can keep track of Verlander. I can keep track of Bueller. I can keep track of Kershaw. But when you start bringing them in every inning, I just I don't know who's playing. And they're doing that not because they have to. They're just, that's the game plan that particular I night. Know. <laughs> Well, we can't pitch this guy more than one inning because we want to pitch him one inning tomorrow too. Yeah, but you, you're an old pitcher. You could, you could pitch more than one inning uh, two or three nights in a row. Anybody certainly. could yeah. if they just do it. But they're just being so careful. You know, the, there's so many Tommy John uh, injuries that I think they're just afraid all the time. They're trying to protect every time they go out to talk to the pitcher on the mound. The one thought they have in mind is. Can I get him out of here so he's going to be okay for the next start? It's very there's not enough thinking related to this game. It's always the worry about we want to make sure he's okay for the next game, and you do that constantly, and that's what they're doing with all these relief pitchers. I I am surprised that Major League Baseball, knock on wood, because there's still a couple more games to play, that they got this far. Uh, with the yeah. way it started, with uh, yeah. the Marlins first, then the Cardinals missing two weeks, I'm surprised that uh, they got through this without too many hiccups. Yeah, without the pandemic yeah. really playing a bigger role than it did. Now, my next question to you is, can the Big Ten, where where right here in the Midwest, Wisconsin's got all kinds of outbreak up there, um, Michigan's on a you know stay-at-home ruling. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got tremendous outbreak in Indiana. All around us, we're surrounded by pla places where the pandemic is very strong, and and now we're getting into cold weather, which is going to force people more inside than they want to be. I think when you can go outside, you've got a better chance to avoid it. You got a better chance. Uh, at a restaurant if you're eating outside and then going inside. And I just wonder if the Big Ten, if these teams can get through this without any options to, uh, to you know, you can't postpone a game. If, if it's off, it's off. 
there's no place to make it up. Yeah, and I think there's there has been some conversation on how do you, uh, if that happens, mm-hmm. how do you determine what that game is? Is, yeah. it, is it a win for a team, a loss for a team, or no, a did not play? I, I think that I don't think it's just going to be no game for both yeah. teams. I think here, Ohio State faces a problem this way: if the opposing team can't play, they don't get a win. Right. And if if they if that happens, and they have to win. They have to play six games in order to qualify. That's what they're saying. I don't know if that's going to be hold up, but that's what you have to play six games. Now they've got eight games scheduled, so if three of those games get called off, Ohio State's in trouble as far as the national championships concerned. Yeah, they're trying to do it in eight straight weeks. It would turn into nine straight weeks if they they get it that far with that plus one game coming in December. But we're talking about that le- that ninth game will be a week before Christmas. Oh man, and you you felt the the chilliness last night. Just think what it's going to be as we move into November and December. Well, I think the difference for me, or what affected me last night, I, and you know, I took a, a heavier coat. But what affected me that you and I played golf the day before it was eighty degrees, and we were, you know, I was playing in <laughs> shorts and short sleeves, and and then I go up there and it's thirty five and down to thirty two by the time the game was over, and the the windows open on the press box. I just think the sudden change. Is what hit us there, but it is almost November, so you're going to get some weather issues in the Midwest, certainly. Yeah, and I, I keep wondering if that ninth game is going to be played on a campus or if they're going to try to get into some domes. I don't know. I, I think that they're going to play the championship game in Indianapolis. Could they play a game Friday night in Indianapolis? Could they play a game Saturday, Saturday night? Could they play three games in Indianapolis in two days? Yep. I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, you could even play on Monday that champion. You could put it off another day, or I would think, wouldn't you? We were reminiscing a little bit last night before the game. The last time we were in Madison a couple of years ago, it was a day that had nice, bright sunshine for a while. Then it snowed really hard, <laughs> a blizzard-like snow. Then the sun was back out. We went through about four seasons that particular day. It was yeah. it was weird. There was no uh, <laughs> four seasons in one day. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, I spent a whole week last night in Madison, so <laughs> <laughs> you could do uh, four seasons in one day. Hey, the phone line's open, 356-9397. We're trying to get a hold of Teddy Greenstein. Uh, haven't been able to do that. We did have that set up for 10. We'll continue to try that. But in the meantime, give us a call, 356-9397. Line Ipella, Saturday Sports Talk. Our, what are your thoughts on Illinois football going on it's everybody wanted to see football so it was played last night didn't go the way that the orange and blue fans wanted it to go but there hopefully there are still a bunch of games yet to play and on the other hand it's not too long till basketball season either really Lauren when you think about uh, November 25th as a start date there how do you know well <laughs> there's no schedule yet. I know <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're going to play the first day they can play you bet now, who well, they keep in? saying that there's going to be that three, uh, three yeah. team, four team tournament, uh, not a tournament, or just a, a round, round robin, robin yeah. uh, for uh, for the four teams, and Illinois will be hosting that, huh? Right, as far as we know. Yeah. So any day now is the situation on the basketball schedule. Ten thirteen, we'll take a break and be back with more. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call three five six nine three nine seven on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Ten fifteen, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you until 11 o'clock. Talking about uh, Illinois football's opener last night, a 45-7 to 7 
loss to the uh, Wisconsin Badgers Camp Randall Stadium in Madison. No fans in the stand, no parents even in the stand in Madison last night, but the Badgers came out and took care of business. Happy to welcome to the program uh, Teddy Greenstein, who for 24 years has been with the Chicago Tribune until just the last day or so. Good morning, Teddy, and uh, congratulations. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your new adventure. Yeah, Steve, good to be with you guys. Hello, Lauren. Um, Good morning. Yeah, man, 24 years at the trip. It uh, It was a pretty good run. Loved covering a lot of golf, a lot of Big Ten ball. Uh, but I uh, thought it was a time to, to go and, and take an opportunity with PointsBet, which is an uh, online sports betting app. And um, I think these guys are really good. They you know compete with DraftKings and FanDuel. So I'm going to be senior editor, and uh, I start Monday handling a lot of the content, uh, writing, editing, and doing a lot of on-air stuff. So I love talking sports handicapping, so I think this is a, a perfect job for me. So that's something you've had an interest in over the years, huh? Yeah, I mean, I've been picking every Big Ten football game against the spread um, for a number of years, and and I kind of joke. I mean, even going back to high school, I was the guy who was collecting five bucks from everybody, <laughs> and we were all making our NFL picks against the spread, so my nickname was the bookie. Um, so this has been a, a lifelong interest, and the fact that you know it became legal a few years ago thanks to the Supreme Court, and then uh, it became legal in Illinois in March, uh, points bet, uh, emerged in September. Uh, they hired Devin Hester to be the, the local face. Um, so, yeah, I, I find the whole sports betting thing fascinating, and it's uh, definitely a growth industry. How did you have last night's game handicapped? <laughs> you know what's, what's fortunate? Um, the rule in the state of Illinois is such that you cannot bet on an Illinois college. So <laughs> I think this saved people a lot of money. That was that Illinois Wisconsin game was off the board, as is today's uh, Maryland Northwestern game. Now, if you're across state lines, if you're in Indiana, you can bet. But uh, I would have thought that that spread was a little high, and I probably would have gone with the Illini. You know, obviously that spread had opened at like 23 and a half and dipped down to about 19. I thought 16 or 17 was going to be the number, but uh, my God, I was as um, impressed by Wisconsin as I was disappointed in Illinois. Apparently, they don't understand that the tight ends are eligible receivers down by the goal line. I thought there was some uh, really curious defense being played there. Boy, you're, the you're preaching to Lauren Tate now. He's, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. a tight end guy ever since I've known him for 40 years. Yeah, and you know, it, it, Ferguson last year burned Illinois repeatedly from the tight end position. The same guy, they, were, they had a previous warning on him, right? They had a whole year of watching tape of what he did, and they didn't even cover him. (laughs) He was out there. It's bizarre. I mean, we've known about him. You know, he's burying Alvarez's grandson. He can play. He's going to be featured. I I, I just, to to be that unprepared. Well, I think. Sorry about it. I'll uh, I'll put, to be that unprepared was uh, was pretty shocking. Yeah, it really was. I I just, uh, what, isn't it? Might it not be particularly hard to be in your business at this precise time, with trying to pick spreads when you're, there's so much uncertainty? And I mean, how do you know who's even going to play? I mean, how do you, who's got a, a pandemic problem? Who's got you know? And they're not letting you know about injury. I mean, how do you, how do you know? How, isn't this a hard time to do this, Lauren? That is such a great point, and the Big Ten especially. 
you know, thanks to guys like Jim Harbaugh, who won't even release it too deep before the game, <laughs> you know, all these other coaches have become paranoid and kind of obsessed with secrecy. So, like, for example, um, Michigan, Minnesota, there's been rumors all week that Minnesota is going to be without one or perhaps two of its offensive tackles. I mean, it's hard to bet a game like that, not knowing if, uh, you know, if Tanner Morgan's top protectors are going to be there. So, my advice would be don't bet more than you can afford to lose because a lot of this stuff is fluid. You know, we've also seen situations where uh, teams are without 22 players or without their starting quarterback and the backup totally steps up. Um, at least in the case of, you know, Iowa-Purdue today, Purdue did reveal that Rondell Moore won't be playing. And as far as I know, Jeff Brom will not be permitted to call the plays. So we've got some information there, but you're right. Um there's there's mystery in a lot of years, and, and this year it's uh, it seems like there's ten times more. Hey, tell me uh, financially, how much how much money is involved in 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 your business and in the gambling industry that you're involved with? Great question. You know, once I start my orientation, I think I'll have a better feel for the economics. You know, what I can tell you is, you know, these online sports books operate like a Vegas sports book. And generally speaking, a sports book is going to make 5% of the handle because if each side is betting minus 110, which means 110 to make a $100 profit, you know, if things are about equal, it's 5%. So if $100 million is being bet, they're, they're bringing in $5 million. But um, obviously, all these companies are spending a ton on marketing and advertising. I mean, how much, uh, you know, when we're all watching NFL or college games, how often are we seeing ads for DraftKings, FanDuel, and, and now PointsBet? So it's a fascinating business. I just know this, like the 22-year-old kid coming out of college right now, I think he's probably more likely to be using PointsBet on his phone during the game than he is to uh, subscribe to a newspaper. And, you know, it, it hurts to say it somewhat because that was my life for 24 years. But um, obviously things are shifting uh and I think sports betting is going to become a bigger and bigger deal in this country. Sports betting and fantasy gaming—you know that, that whole right. that whole aspect of it—that I'm just unfamiliar with because I wasn't brought up that way. But a lot of the young people, uh, you know, they're they're involved in these fantasy games. Where they're... I love fantasy football. I mean, so for the NFL, um, it makes a lot of these games watchable. You mm -hmm. know, if it's a Monday night game going, and you've got the quarterback on one team, and your opponent has the quarterback on the other. You've got instant entertainment, and, and that's really what a lot of the, you know, the, the fantasy and betting is about. Visiting with Teddy Greenstein is PointsBet, a relatively new company in this uh, venture? Yeah, I believe it started in 2017 in Australia, and then it came to the States in 2019. So absolutely, this is a new thing, um, you know, with the Supreme Court deciding that states could make uh, sports betting legal. So now it's a state-to-state it's a -state rule, like New Jersey and Colorado and Michigan and Indiana and Illinois say, go ahead, and you can you know, you know, play sports bets on your phone. Other states like New York, it's legal, but you have to physically be in a casino to place the bet on your phone because they're trying to you know, protect the casinos. Uh, I think that's how it is in California as well. And then I've heard that in other states like Nebraska, it's on the ballot in uh, November. So I would imagine that because the, the tax money is so – lucrative all 50 states uh you know will turn and sports betting will be legal everywhere but uh that's not the case just yet now are you going to be uh, based in chicago you're going to stay in the windy city area i sure am and 
you know, as, as much fun as it has been to cover games on Saturdays, you know, as you guys know, I mean, it's just different now. Like I went to the Duke Notre Dame football game several weeks ago and, you know, you sit there in the press box wearing a mask for a bunch of hours and then the interviews are by Zoom, which, you know, even anybody has access to in the media. So there's just so much less appeal in terms of going to games right now. You can really do the same work from home. So I'm kind of excited for a, a Saturday like this to just be able to sit back and enjoy it, uh, go to my kids' soccer games and uh, take it all in on the two. Well, the big question in Champaign, as you must know, is, is all centers around Lovey Smith right now. And the poor, yeah. the poor performance last night. You've you've covered the Illini and you've covered Illinois, Northwestern, and and where does where does Illinois go from here? Yeah, I just you know that performance was uh was I'd say baffling and troubling last night. Obviously, the only touchdown coming on uh, you know that fumble return. I mean that was that was a good sign, but combination of Hanson getting injured and just the the incredible lack of coverage. I mean I, I'm sure you guys have railed on this already, but that play just before halftime where um, you know, you're allowing a receiver to streak down the middle of the field. I don't get it. Um, I, I, and especially against a team like Wisconsin, where it's the same plays year after year after year. I mean, they execute them better than almost anybody, but you, you shouldn't have been surprised. There shouldn't have been so many open guys. So it's another year where Lovey has to prove himself. And obviously they proved a lot last year. I mean, they had that great run in the middle of the season, beat Wisconsin, ended very poorly, but um, got a lot of transfers, and I think people were expecting this team to, you know, maybe go at least three and five. And and now it's it's with that defense, I'd say back to the drawing board after game one. Uh, with the finances being what they are, does that make it extremely likely that Illinois will have to stay with Lovey because of the of the buyout problems? You know, Lauren, I would have to know kind of what those terms are, and and there's no doubt that schools are you know less reluctant to fire coaches like I think we saw sure. that with college basketball last year there were so little turnover in college hoops for that reason I mean I'm fascinated to see how Michigan plays this year um, in part because you know Jim Harbaugh's contract is expiring I saw 2021 so I think that means after this season and he's making eight million bucks a year well if he goes you know five and three in the regular season or four and four is that school going to say Hey, we're going to re-up you at eight million, or maybe they're going to say, "Hey, we're running a deficit here. A lot of people are getting cut. You know, do you want to come back for five million? So, I think all that is in play now with uh, you know the pandemic and these new finances. What are you going to miss most about uh, the newspaper business? <laughs> Honestly, it's covering the Masters. Um, I'll bet I did eleven, and I think I was going to be able to cover it this year if I'd stayed at the Tribune. And obviously, this Masters is going to be. Uh, one of a kind. Not only the fact that it's being played in the fall, but no spectators. I think the media was going to get super up close to the action. Um, so, so that's that's really it. Because the fact that like I'm not leaving Chicago, and a lot of my friends at the Tribune have already left for other jobs at places like the Athletic or NBC Sports Chicago. Um, it's not like you know I've been going to a newsroom and I've been seeing people. You know, the, the, Lauren knows that. Maybe Lauren goes in more than I have, but generally speaking. When I was at the Tribune, even pre-pandemic, I was in the newsroom only a few times a year. So it's not going to be that different. I'm going to see all my friends still, but not covering the Masters is, uh, is a bummer. Is the Athletic going to make it big time? I mean, have they made it? Are they over the hump? Man, I hope so. I, 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 all I can say is I hope so because I just don't know what those finances are. As, as Lawrence, you probably know, they did have some 
some cutbacks, some layoffs um, several months ago. I think they lost 42 on staff, but it's an amazing product. I think uh, the folks at The Athletic do a truly phenomenal job. If anybody's not subscribing out there, I think they should. Um, just college football alone, it's worth it for that. And then when you add all their coverage of the other sports. Well, they're not dependent on advertising, which is the case with uh, newspapers and, and radio stations. Yeah. We're just totally dependent on advertising, and, and it's hard to yeah. get advertising when, when so many places are going broke. <laughs> yeah, so, so they're exactly they're not dependent on advertising, so that's the good news, but they are dependent on people who are accustomed to getting, you know, sports coverage for free to mm-hmm. pay for it. I mean, to mm-hmm. me, four bucks a month is, you know, like it's one Starbucks coffee. I mean, go ahead and pay for content, man. It's, it's expensive to produce. So if people want good sports writing, I, I hope they'll, uh, you know, kind of chip in and, and support it because otherwise all this stuff is going to go away. You'll probably have a better answer for this later today with Purdue in action, but uh, is Illinois going to be a home underdog next week against the uh, Purdue Boilermakers? Oh, I'd say yes, um, but but you're you're right, Steve. I mean, we got to see how that Purdue offense looks, and and then we got to know if Rondell Moore is playing next week. Um, but uh, yeah, as of right now, you'd think Illinois would be an underdog to. Almost every team in the league. I mean, let's see what happens with uh, Rutgers, Michigan State. Um, I'm thinking Rutgers might keep that one closer than uh, than expected. A lot of transfers there for Greg Schiano, so he he's got some new pieces to play with. But um, yeah, uh, that becomes I don't want to say a must win for Illinois next week, but man, you certainly don't want to start out 0 two. Points bet is it pointsbet.com? Yeah, exactly, man. So it's points bet. It's a really good app. Some people use it on the desktop. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for the plug and, and check it out. The app is cool. And um, it, it, what's amazing about it, too, is the in-game betting. So, you know, it used to be, oh, my God, the, the game kicks at 11. I got to get my bet in. Now, even once the game kicks off, there are like 50 different ways to bet and the odds are shifting play to play no kidding so, illinois makes a first yeah i'm serious lauren it's crazy so let's say the game starts out where illinois is plus 150 meaning you bet 100 to win 150 if illinois you know makes a field goal on its first drive illinois might be plus 125 or even makes a first down so it, it's fascinating to see um the in-game opportunities now that's something that's really changed in the industry could you bet on how many times lauren tate slams the table in the press box during the game? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They they see they have a thing there called pick a bet, and or you can even propose a bet to to, to their uh, to their analysts. So I think you can do that. You can do an over under on uh, on Lauren slamming the table. I, I'd take <laughs> the over night. on that all day long. <laughs> last night, I'm guessing it was about eight point five. And what was the over under last night? And, and, and did you hit the over, Lauren? I was on my couch. I was on my couch. <laughs> I didn't have anything okay. to hit. <laughs> Hey, well, Teddy, thanks, thanks for your, your time, and uh, congratulations on uh, the new endeavor. And we'd like to stay in touch with you and still talk about that and uh, occasionally and uh, talk about uh, college football as well, if you don't mind. Absolutely, guys. Great being with you. Enjoy your Saturday. You too. Teddy Greenstein with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a break here at 1030. Coming up after the break, we'll connect with Scott Ritchie who is on his way back from Madison. We'll get his take on the ballgame. We'll have the phone lines open, too, if you'd like to join us. 356-9397. Back after this.
10.33 as we head towards 11 o'clock on the Line Ipella Saturday Sports Talk with the man, Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Beginning, Lauren is beginning his 54th year of covering Illinois football. Does that sound right? Yeah, for the News Gazette. Yeah. And I had one year where I worked for Channel 15 in sports. Mm-hmm. I was sports director there and in 1970. I missed the 1970 season, which was the last season for Jim Valick. And I was hired the same, rehired by the News Gazette the same. I was gone about six months. And I was rehired in December at the same week that we hired Bob Blackman. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. This so, is my 39th year covering the program in one means or another. Scott Ritchie from the News Gazette is with us. And uh, Scott, you decided to come back to Champaign-Urbana, did you? You're on the road this morning, huh? Yeah. Um Nearing the home stretch, uh, just about to Bloomington right now. So, uh, uh, first road trip in a long time, and I think I'll be glad to be home. Well, let's get your thoughts. We've uh, had a lot of calls this morning and several people talking about the football game, but uh, certainly disappointing in a lot of ways. But uh, now that you've had uh, 12 hours or so to think about it, uh, give me some of the things you took away from it. I mean, I think the biggest takeaway is the Illinois defense outscored the Illinois offense, and <laughs> that's an issue. Uh, you know, a lot of the preseason conversation about this offense was maybe the next step it could take with a, a returning starter, a quarterback in Brandon Peters, which is the first time Rod Smith has had that situation as an offensive coordinator, and plus a lot of weapons and the wide receivers and tight ends. A run game maybe with some question marks, but a healthy Mike Epstein was supposed to maybe answer some of those. And the offense just fell flat uh, entirely uh, in the opener at Wisconsin. Uh, And it was, I just raised more questions about maybe what the identity of this offense is going to be. Brandon Peters, whose strengths is probably his arm was really inconsistent. You know, he talked a lot about getting his completion percentage up this year, and he put himself in a hole to start the season. Um, yeah, he looked better when he was running it. So, I mean, does Rod Smith lean into that more? So Isaiah Williams going to keep getting you know a series or two here or there. You know, Brandon Peters, you know, in the post game, Zoom was maybe not entirely thrilled with that situation. Um, kind of honest about that. So, I mean, that's really kind of, you know, certainly what I'll be looking for in the next week or so is, you know, Illinois prepares for the, the Halloween game against Purdue. Well, you say that, you know, that Illinois has no identity. I don't, I don't disagree with that. But if they did have an identity, it's leaving receivers wide open in the secondary, and particularly the tight end who was wide open last year and was still wide open this year. But uh, was a part of this the problem of shifting uh, secondary players around, uh, putting Adams back at corner, having Witherspoon not there, uh, Beeson not being ready, trying to play Smith before he really knew the defense maybe? I mean, Derek Smith, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think that's, that's a plausible you know, reason for the struggles. Uh, you know, Devin Witherspoon – kind of became one of the, you know, the better players in the secondary last year, even as a true freshman. I mean, he had some maybe freshman moments, but 
He also had that game-saving tackle in the Wisconsin game. Um, so him not available, put Tony Adams in the cornerback safety carousel again. You know, another move for him. And you know, I don't know that Derek Smith was ready. And I think the, the blown coverages probably fall on him a little bit. And I think you know, that was shown by him getting pulled for, for Quan Martin uh, at times. So, yeah, you know, Jake Ferguson – you know, took social distancing to the max <laughs> last night because there was, there was no one near him twice in the end zone. And you know, in red zone situations, you know, keeping an eye on the tight end is sort of, you know, priority number one. You would think so. And they forgot about him a couple of times. Offensively, I, I'm starting to lose uh, confidence in Rod Smith's ability to get this thing going. There's, this is a stretch, uh, a too long of a stretch of, poor running attack other than a few breakouts by a quarterback that the defense wasn't paying much attention to. Where do they yeah, get? and this is year I mean this is year three for Rod Smith. I mean this offense should be maybe firing on all the cylinders he wants and, and it's not. Um, would some non conference games maybe have helped just because even with the number of returners back there are some new pieces that they're trying to work in. And maybe you know, Mike Epstein doesn't have a lot of time playing with Brandon Peters and Chase Brown is kind of the same deal. But I think the I guess it would have been a 2018 rushing offense that you know, ranked 12th nationally um, might have been a little bit of an anomaly and just built on all of those really long runs that Reggie Corbin was able to break, which you know you saw last year he wasn't able to repeat. So. Yeah, there's some question marks, for sure. Talking to Scott Ritchie, who covers Illinois football and Illinois basketball, the Illinois basketball team uh, in full go in practice, anticipating a November 25th start. What are you hearing on the recruiting trail? Has uh, Bryce Hopkins done anything yet? Do you have any idea when he might? Well, he is supposed to announce his commitment uh, on Monday, I believe, at 6.30. So we should have a, a decision you know, here in the next 48 hours or so. Um, he's apparently cut his top nine to a top five un- unofficially of sorts. Um, that's been reported in a few places. Um, Illinois is definitely in the mix. Um, I think it's kind of my feel on it. It's either going to be Illinois or Kentucky and y'all you know, the experts, all the crystal ball picks on 24-7 sports, unless they've changed this morning as I've been in the car, um, have been picking Wildcats. So maybe Illinois pulls the recruiting upset on Monday, and that would be a a huge get for Brad Underwood, who got that early commitment from Luke Goody, and I think that's still a really good piece to add, but recruiting momentum has slowed since the spring. I noticed Kentucky got uh, a pretty highly talented commit last week. I did not notice and look into it enough to know if he plays the same position or not as Bryce Hopkins. What can you tell me about that? Uh, it's, you know, Sky Clark, uh, he's, a, he's a guard. Um, okay. And a 2022 recruit, but there's, as things stand in this day and age, you know, discussion that he's going to 
reclassify into the 2021 class. I see. So, but I, his commitment yeah, is really not going to have yeah, an impact on Bryce Hopkins. And I think, uh, I mean, Bryce Hopkins is a top 35 player. And Kentucky doesn't mind stashing as many as, sure. as they can, even if there's positional overlap. Yeah, it's showing the... no problem. Right. Yeah, this worked pretty well, Kentucky, over the, over the years. What about uh, Big Mac, ET, ETN? Am I saying that halfway close? Yeah, yeah, sure. Mac, ETN. He's, I mean, Illinois is definitely still recruiting him very hard. And he's, you know, I mean, outside of Hopkins, maybe the, in, in some regard, maybe, you know, ahead of Hopkins, maybe a bigger priority just because you know, there's no guarantee Kofi Coburn's going to, Decide again to come back for a third year, you know, next season. Um, his recruitment, Etienne's recruitment, you know, probably won't conclude until the spring. That seems to be the the going consensus. So, I mean, Elmo's not going to lose him now, but you know, there's, you know, obviously no guarantee for several months of kind of what he's going to do. One more comment on Hopkins. Do you consider him uh, a strictly a a four, a power four. Do you see him as a just as a wing? You know, I think he can play the three as well. Um, I would imagine like, I think most of his minutes would come at the four, but I think if you could go with a bigger lineup and have him at the three, and I don't think you'd lose. Certainly, won't lose anything offensively. It's hard to gauge, you know high school players sometimes on their defensive abilities totally. Yeah, I'll say. Um, I don't have as good as I, mean, I don't have as good a grasp on him there. You know, maybe if he could guard maybe smaller, quicker threes, but uh, I think you know, he's got the versatility where he can play you know, multiple positions for sure. Yeah, I, I, I saw him play once last year and I I kinda see him as a well, he I think he could swing I just don't know if he could defend the three. I, I don't know if he has the quickness. He's a, he's strong enough, and um, he I think he'd make an ideal four. I, I don't like to – I don't think you have to be 6'10 to play the four in the Big Ten. I, I, I think sometimes the smaller, the smaller like, 6'8 player has a – you know, has some advantages just because of his uh, ability to move, and um, that's just an opinion. I, I, but I, I would sure like to see Illinois get Hopkins because they need to get somebody from the state – it's very hard to recruit in this state these days, and as we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, if they were able to get Bryce Hopkins, that would mean they landed uh, at least a top two recruit in the state in three out of the last four years. So I would assume, of course, and Adam Miller, the other two. And then that's, that's still important. I mean, I know, you know Brad Underwood and his staff are going to recruit the world, essentially, but when there's talent in Illinois that like and fits what you do, put in the full court press to get those guys. I don't know if you've been asked this question yet today, but I know you've been asked a time or two. What do you hear about the schedule? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think my answer is going to be the same. Uh, no clue. And, and I mean, we're a month, essentially, a month and a day away from what's supposed to be that, that first game. Um, and there, there is no schedule, and the Big Ten hasn't announced you know, its plans. I'm hoping like that will come soon. And one thing that could maybe ease the schedule is 
scheduling a bit is NCAA yesterday um, sort of put a, a pause on one of its regulations where teams can now play in more than one multi-team event in you know, a single season. really has that, that multi-team event to open the season in Champaign and maybe could get another one somewhere else to round out the non-conference schedule and I'm not sure how that might apply to conference games if the Big Ten brought four teams to one spot and you know, played a, a round robin just to get games in in a safe manner as possible. But it does create maybe a little more wiggle room in a season where you're going to need it with the schedule. Scott Ritchie, we appreciate your time. Drive carefully the rest of the way home, and we'll talk to you again Monday night on Monday Night Sports Talk. You bet. It is 1046. We'll take a break. Be back for the final segment. Phone line is open. 356-9397. Had a lot of callers early. What are your thoughts now that you've had a little more time to think about the game? Feel free to get in, but uh, do it in the next 10 minutes or so on Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Ten forty-eight, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lawrence H. Steve Kelly with you until 11. 356-9397 is the number. Dodgers beat the Rays last night 6-2. It was 6-1 to one for a long time in that game. And then that guy. How, how'd they get the last <laughs> run, Steve? Randy Rosarina hit a home run in the ninth. He's got nine home runs in the postseason now. <laughs> He's rubbing it in, isn't he? I guess. I don't know what uh, what his thoughts are about leaving St. Louis, but he's pretty happy right now. Oh, man. I don't know what his contract situation is. I'm guessing they're not paying any much. He's uh, still a young guy. but uh, And, you know, that's something else is going to be interesting. Uh, how's the free agent market going to look? Oh, man, I don't know who can afford it. Uh, who can afford You know, what's going to be the... Who can afford the guys you've already got on contract? I well, mean, the Cardinals have that issue. They've, they've got to decide what to do about Yachty and, and Wainwright. Both those guys would like to play some more. Do you let Yachty walk and go catch for the Yankees? Or Well, tell me. I say no, you don't. Tell me how many people are going to be allowed to watch the games next year. Are they going to have 40,000 a game? In, in that's, the that's a good point. And you know they won't. They won't let them, they won't let them come. They're, they're, they'll have to be spaced in some way, probably. Yeah, you'd like to think that it would be back to normal, whatever that's going to be. And maybe it will be to a new normal. Uh, will we see full houses again for in five months from now? In the foreseeable future. In five months from now. Right. Look at how fast this time. Even though since last March, there are times I've said, "Man, this, this, this is dragging along." We keep trying to come up with shows with no games to talk about. Yet we do it. We pull it off. But on the other hand, it's gone kind of quickly. <laughs> but now they're talking about. You know, we're heading into a possible six to twelve week resurgence of this thing. I know, with right, the cor- right in this area too. Not yeah. necessarily Illinois, but all around us. Maybe, maybe Illinois can. Uh, ever, it's just a, a really tough period. And I tell you what, this game last night just knocked the socks off the Illini fandom. It did. It's just it, nothing you can say. Another way to uh, put a barometer on that is. The fact that we started off with a few calls and then uh, people haven't taken the time to call in. I don't, I don't know if that's well, yeah, well, that's one game or if it's like, well, here we go again. How many times can you get 
knocked down right. and keep getting up. It's a good point. And Illinois, and one of the, uh, we had uh, Teddy Greenstein on talking about his new venture in the, the gambling business, but one of the uh, online books had, uh, they did a, a line on winning the Big Ten championship. All the Big Ten teams, Illinois was tied with Purdue at 300 to 1, and the only team behind him was Rutgers. And that was 300 to 1 before yesterday, right? Exactly. <laughs> what is it now? A thousand to one? Yeah. And I knew once I mentioned the name of Randy Rosarina that uh, we get a call from Pinehurst <laughs> and Marty. Hey, Marty, go ahead. What's up? Well, since you were complaining that people weren't calling in, Steve, <laughs> I figured I'd, you know, I'd have to call. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, that, that was a, a subliminal cl- uh, clue for you to call, yeah. Q. Yeah, and I was, and you know what? I was actually picking the phone up before you said that, so, it, you know, you, your mind was ESP and me down here or something. Okay. Uh, that was quite a game last night, fellas. It uh, put me to sleep early, actually. <laughs> well, there's uh, that. I, I have a question or a comment or a thought. I don't know what it is for sure. I have been waiting for 20 years probably, maybe since Josh Whitman was there, to see an Illinois offense utilize a tight end. And we, we've got three tight ends on this team now that seem to be pretty good candidates to be good ball players, And we don't ever seem to get the ball to them on a consistent basis. And I only bring that up because Wisconsin, who does the same thing all the time, and they're very predictable, for some reason disguised a 6'5 guy that probably weighs 240, and, and it had to be stealth that got him through the middle of the field in a Tampa 2 defense, and no one picked him up. So well, I'm, I'm, it, Mandrake had see? the ability to cloud men's mind, in case you didn't ah, know. Ah, there you go. I so didn't. I, I forgot about that, Lauren. Yeah. So you can do that. That's where, that's where your sage wisdom comes in <laughs> to remind us all. So he made himself <laughs> invisible. That's all I can tell you. And yeah, then all I, of a sudden, know, he popped up in the end zone. <laughs> yeah, I have less than a half percent of vision in my left eye left. And even I on the screen could seem, so something's really strange going on. That's all I know. <laughs> I cannot fathom, if Wisconsin does the least amount of uh, different changes and maneuvers. Their offense is the same year after year, and I just couldn't fathom how he got. Our secondary is supposed to be, I thought, a strength of the team, but maybe that was the corners because the safeties weren't. Um, I thought that, you know, actually, Lauren, the defensive line that I was worried about against the run game wasn't that bad against the run game, especially early. Rod Perry really uh, looked good. And middle yeah, linebacker I, Barnes looked awful good after he came in for Hanson. I mean, he was all yeah, over the field. So he too. had about 11 tackles, yeah. didn't he? He did. Yeah, he had 11 second, tackles. Yeah, and the secondary just disappeared, but which was strange. But I can't figure the offense. I can't figure this out. Three of those five linemen, haven't they played now three years? Four. And yeah, and weren't they two years ago a pretty good running offense? Yes. Yeah. Now I know we had a quarterback that could run, and Peter made a big difference. Can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't get it, and it, I hope it's just one of those games where I coach, and there are days where you go out there and nothing works, and you're just flat, and you're just. I hope that's what it was, guys, because otherwise it could be a long, long season. Well, it isn't a long season until we play Purdue. Then we got to, we got to, uh, you know, that's the thing. If you if you don't bounce back, bounce back against Purdue, it's it's going to be a long, 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 long season. 
the only thing that worries me is Purdue's head coach is really good offensively at finding ways to hit you where you ain't good. And that that worries me a little bit. Well, you're right. We'll find out. They of course, he can't, he can't Maybe. coach today, you know. He's, uh, uh, he's how got... about – I got it, Lauren. All we need is a driving rainstorm like we had last That's year right. at West Lafayette, and we'll, we'll handle him just fine. Careful what you wish for. Hey, Marty, got to move along. Got another call I'd like to get in. Thanks for the All right, call. Go ahead, guys. Enjoy. Thank you. Coming in loud and clear in Oak Park, Dirk is with us. Hey, Dirk. Hey, good morning. How's it going? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, quick thought I had watching the game last night. Uh, number two, I guess his name's Derek Smith, was a little behind on a few plays and that. He reminded me of Keith Taylor in the 1984 Rose Bowl. I don't mm-hmm. remember how many times he was, you know, always about six, seven yards behind the receiver. And I remember thinking, man, this Taylor guy isn't very good. And then he just, he played in the NFL for right. eight, 10 years or something like that. Yeah. So uh, let's hope. Uh, well, he was a freshman. Let's hope Derek. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, isn't uh, Smith a transfer, I think, right? Smith's a transfer playing his first game. Taylor was a freshman in the game you're referring right. to. But uh, Smith right. just got out of position. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, you, have to, you have to do what the, the, uh, the call. You have to be where you're supposed to be. Now, he made some hard hits, and I saw him make a tackle one time, and he, he, he'll throw his body in there. But we had a guy like that last year. Green would, was a terrific tackler, and he came up very well. But – those safeties have to be concerned behind them, too. Dirk, we appreciate the call. 10.57, need to take one final break. We'll do that and be back in just a moment. Stay with us. We're about 90 seconds away from the top of the hour, 11 o'clock, on the Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Real quick, Lauren, give me a winner in the following games. Shouldn't be too hard on some of them, but uh, Nebraska at Ohio State. Oh, Ohio State. The spread on that's 26 points, I think. 26? Yep. Rutgers at Michigan State. I think Michigan State will win. Mel Tucker's first game coaching the Spartans. How about Iowa and Purdue? Kind yeah, of a. Got to go with Iowa. I, I, I do too. Maybe Purdue will pull a, a surprise at home. Penn State, are they facing any uh, possibility of an upset at Indiana? I think Indiana will play better defense than, than you might think against Penn State, but I think Penn State will win in the end. Mike Loxley and his Terrapins in Evanston tonight to take on Northwestern. Well, now that I'm not sure. I'll go with Northwestern. And uh, maybe the biggest game that comes later on tonight, Minnesota hosting Michigan in the battle of top 25 teams. I think Michigan will win that game. I do, too. They've won 22 of the last 26 in the Little Brown Jug Is that right? series. Maybe it's 22 out of the last 24. They've dominated that over the years. Mr. Tate, appreciate your time. We'll do it again next yeah, week. By the what, way. You see what I just did? I just went with tradition on all those games. There you go. By the <laughs> way, we'll be on at 8 o'clock next week on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Steve Kelly for Lauren Tate. Have a good weekend, everybody.